0: Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of the SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of the Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis.
1: Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die?
0: Well, Ralph, no sense. You're going first. Uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his... <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave! Dave smells like nougat! Now here's your host, Ralph Malgrove.
1: Alright, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Andrew, you know it. It's... A week and a half away from LSU football, live next Saturday. They have over 120 draft beers. They have the biggest whiskey selection in the South, plus a great menu, the Pelican House, 2572, City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They support us, so you should support them. All right, we are really excited. We have a a special guest today, uh, Jason Cole, NFL insider of the Bleacher Report, Yahoo. You know him. He's all over interview all over the internet. He's done great reporting and insider stuff. And we have Jason on because uh, basically, uh, Jason, thanks for joining us, by the way. You had an interesting take regarding Jimmy Graham (laughs) and Sean Payton's relationship being broken beyond repair because of the arbitration hearing in July. The ruling was in the Saints. Well, I'm not sure sure I said
2: broken beyond repair, but uh, we're on the right track. I'll go with that.
1: So, Sean Payton testified in the hearing, and according to reports, we don't have the transcript, but testimony, he paid, Payton said, look, Graham is a tight end. And you said, look, that's affect the relationship in a negative way. So fast forward to last Friday, Jimmy Graham dunks on the goalpost, not once, not tw- but he does it a second time. Yeah. And sure. each time gets a penalty, Graham and Payton have a screaming match. You know, so cue the media and say it's a crisis. It's it's anarchy. It's blood in the streets. I joked about in my WWL column, maybe. And it's not that. But so, Jason, my first question to you is, are we on the road to Jimmy Graham becoming angry, mad, a problem for the Saints all year? Is 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 that is that going to be something we're
2: going to start to see? Well, I, I do always love – and I guess it's the art of talk radio. The whole And, and look, writing is kind of the same way, the, the whole blood in the streets, <laughs> bloodbath uh, imagery of a relationship. But look, I, I just think that arbitration as a process is a dangerous one for any sports organization because it basically pits management against a player, and the, they're trying to get the player to play hard – while trying to then point out why he doesn't deserve more money. And, you know, repeatedly over the years, baseball teams hate arbitration because they're basically telling their player, well, we really think you suck and you don't deserve this kind of money um, while you're arguing against us to get paid. It's a really negative process. And when you put the coach in the middle of that, trying to argue that a player doesn't deserve to get paid, you automatically concern you know, create hard feelings. And so no matter what, Jimmy Graham is always going to look at that and say, you know, at the end of the day, Sean Payton, the guy I trust, the guy I'm supposed to work for, and the guy I'm supposed to go either take a hit or hit somebody for, is telling me I wasn't worth this amount of money and arguing against, you know, my stand. And I think that that always causes tension. Now, where does that tension go? Look, if they win a lot of games... Nobody's going to care if they, you know, twelve and four and you know make it to the playoffs. You know, things will be fine. Where it really gets to be a problem is, okay, you're really struggling here, or maybe somewhere along the line, Jimmy Graham doesn't get the ball when he thinks he needs to get the ball. And he starts to think, you know, somebody, you know, Sean Payton's trying to shut me out and he's trying to punish me, or who knows what's going on. But I, you know, I have covered the NFL for since 1992. And I've seen these kinds of situations play out. And, you know, when guys say it's not about the money, it's always about the money. And, and that, you know, that is the way that you show love in the NFL. And you show dedication in the NFL. And I just think that this creates a problem, for potentially.
0: Jason, this is Andrew Juge from the Saints Nation, and uh, we, we kind of went back and Andrew, forth on Andrew, Twitter. we're
2: talking! We're talking! <laughs> That's right. This is amazing! <laughs> yes, <sir>. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: J- I love Twitter. Jason, I, I, I'm obviously well-versed on um, your, your theory, and you, you, you wrote a great write-up on Jimmy Graham even prior to the draft, um, which was fantastic. And um, I, I'm familiar with it, and I know Ralph is familiar with it, but for our listeners, Um, if real quick, if you could just kind of explain, and and I know you kind of went in depth about this, what's unique about Jimmy Graham's background that in your, in your opinion, and I know you theorized about this, what, what is Uh it about Jimmy Graham's background that makes, in your opinion, this situation more explosive with his relationship and Sean Payton than maybe just
2: Uh some random
0: player that had a good upbringing?
2: Well, oh, yeah. first of all, he had a terrible upbringing where his parents were basically not in the picture. I mean, his dad was never around. I think he's met his dad a couple of times at most. His dad's family was terrible to him. And then there's a story about when I think he was 11 or 12 years old, his mother, you know, could, you know, get tired of, of raising him, basically.
1: And her, and boy, her took boyfriend him to at him, the time you know, they give him away, right? The boyfriend.
2: Yeah, the boy, the boyfriend was trying to get, you know, yeah, basically trying to give him away. The mom also wasn't real good about that. It's not like she was fighting real hard for him, and she basically took him to an orphanage one day. His all of his belongings and his clothes in two garbage bags, and dropped them at the orphanage, and that was it. And he ended up being raised by, you know, this, you know, when he, when he got out of the orphanage, he ended up being raised by this other woman who was a single mom herself with a with a child of her own and she took him in because she knew him through his church. And I just think that you know, I, I, I certainly don't mean to laugh about this. I just kind of like, I, I, I'm flabbergasted by the situation that you know, this is a guy who doesn't have a lot of trust in a whole lot of people in his life and if you talk to him about this stuff and you read the, you know, you look at his face when he talks about it, forget the words but but look at you know, look at the demeanor. Look at the you know the, the veins bulge on the side of his neck, and you can see it's a it's it's a hot button topic with him. And so this is a guy who, you know, he's looking for people in order to to trust in them. Sean Payton's one of those people. You know, coaches are generally one of those people that people trust in a lot. And you know, I just feel like that accentuates the chance that. He doesn't trust anybody in the Saints organization. When things get hard, again, when things... There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events...
0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: These are okay. You're in training camp and everybody thinks life is great and everybody's going to win every game and nothing's going to go wrong. That's not when the true colors show. It's when the tension starts to show. And that's when I, you know, that's what I worry about. Like what's going to happen when things get a little bit tough? Well,
1: the one thing, and I was, when I had you on, I was convinced that it, you would give your argument and me and Andrew would go back and forth and be like, no, there's no convincing." but you've sort of convinced me a little bit to your side. But the one thing that, that Jason, that, that I always come back to is, is he wasn't hurt bad enough after the arbitration decision to say, I don't want to be here. He could have, you know, said, look, publicly after the ruling, look, I want to be traded. I don't want to sign a long-income deal here. He did none of that. He signed the biggest deal for a tight end in NFL history. So it couldn't have been that
2: bad. Right, but he's in a situation where he's in a leveraged position. In other words, Jimmy, because he was a third-round draft pick, he's never been paid, mm-hmm. right? And he's not sitting on a pile of cash. And for him to go another year, like if he had said, look, I'll just sign the franchise tag, And that'll be enough at seven million dollars. That's not—I mean, seven million dollars is a lot of money. Trust me, you know, all of us will be lucky if we make seven million dollars in our in our lifetime, basically. Um, But the reality is that that's not set yourself up for life kind of money and that opportunity. And with all the injuries that Jimmy's had over the years, you know, especially last year with the ankle, uh, wrist. I mean, he's, he's had a number of injuries the way that he plays. You know, this is not a guy who can sit there and say, I'm willing to go take a risk and play on a franchise tag for a year when he they put, you're they saying they he put couldn't, a fair amount of money in front of
1: him. He couldn't pass up. the Basically, the difference is he would have signed for the one-year $7 million. He got $23 million guaranteed. So you're saying he couldn't pass up $16 million no matter how mad he was at the
2: same. Oh yeah, I mean, could could you? Could you, could I? No, I mean, if you told me I got a chance to get twenty three million dollars, and I don't have any money in the bank. I mean, look, I've made pretty good money here for the first couple of years. I probably made two three million dollars over the first four years of my deal, which is you know good money. It's not great. It's not life altering. Set me sell set myself up for life kind of money. That the twenty three million dollars can be. Yeah, he, he's in a leveraged position, and that you know the Saints had all the power. And again, I, I don't blame him for taking the money. I think that he's going to be generally happy. I just wonder when it's nut cutting time, and you've got you know bat you know you've got people in anguished situations. You know, after a couple of straight losses, and this happens in football all the time. That how are they going to react when things get a little bit tough? And is he going to listen to him when things get a little bit tough? And uh, that—that's the thing that concerns me about the arbitration process. And I'm not trying to say that the sky is falling on the Saints, and these guys are going to hate each other forever. It's just right now, it's a—I I will guarantee in his heart of hearts, Jimmy Graham sitting there going, you know, if not for this, I probably could have gotten 28 or 30 million dollars guaranteed, or I could have, you know, had a much better situation where I might have been able to play one year on that franchise tag and then get my real value or put more pressure on the Saints. Those are all things that are probably going to Jimmy Graham's mind a little bit. And given his background, I just I'm I'm interested to see how he reacts to this.
0: Well that Jason, I, I've got a counter argument um, to throw in there and I want to get your thoughts on it. Um, now obviously uh, you're you're kind of making a statement about the relationship between Sean Payton and Graham with some educated guessing based on uh, Jimmy Graham's background, um, looking at Sean Payton as a role model and feeling betrayed, um, and also what we know about in general, um, and obviously lots of references to baseball with the arbitration process. Um, with the NFL, the arbitration process obviously is very different and very unique in this case. Um, it, it doesn't really happen. Um, one, right. one thing I'll, I'll point out, In baseball, it's a little more black and white in terms of uh, there isn't the the position element, there isn't the placing and and the certain price tag slot that you fall under. It's purely production. It's purely one side saying that a player didn't live up to expectations, didn't produce to the level uh, that he should be owed a certain amount of money, and vice versa, the player arguing that I produced to this level, I'm owed this money. Uh, In this specific case, there was no real discussion of actual production. Um, I think you you can look at the stats and no one would disagree that Jimmy Graham was incredibly productive. Um, And Sean Payton's testimony was largely purely based on fact of where he was lined up, why he was lined up in in that position, and what what they intended to do when they were lining them up in those positions, what kind of mismatches they were going for. So to me, the testimony, I I didn't read the transcripts. We don't have the transcripts, but um, from what I've heard, the the rumors suggest that the the testimony was mostly factual. Um, So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you've you've mentioned that the arbitration process could sour Graham on the the Saints or um, the organization as a whole, and... I just, your thoughts on maybe the arbitration process, maybe not being Sean Payton criticizing Graham and maybe more so pointing out just how he lined up. Look, I, I think you make a good point, which is a well thought out intellectual point, which Sean Payton can take
2: to somebody. And I'm, not, and I'm not trying to mock it in any way, even though our Twitter battles have been a little bit more mocking oriented. And been, that's just the way Twitter works. But, yeah, That's a well thought argument. My counter is that at the end of the day, it's a simple process of you want to make this amount of money, and we only think you should make this amount of money. At the end of the day, one way or the other, whether it's a purely factual discussion about where does a guy line up um, versus an argument about whether he's a productive player or not like it is in baseball, Money is being either given to the player or being taken out of it, taken out of what he thinks he deserves to earn. And that by itself causes damage, potentially. You know, I mean, again, I, I, you know, I, I pretend to be a little bit of a mind reader. I'm certainly not a professional in that, in that regard. <laughs> but, but, you
0: know, but Jason, it, wouldn't a four-year, $40 process, million, four year, 40 they million like. contract suggest that the Saints believe he's the greatest tight end in NFL history? Yeah, but I'm
2: sure that Jimmy would have said, "I'd rather have a four-year, fifty million dollar contract, and I want that extra ten million dollars." Well, I mean, that, we all, we all, we all think, we, look, we all think we're worth a lot more money than perhaps we all all are. Money, money is a very powerful thing in this, and it's what you know. Yes, he's being rewarded. He got twenty-three million dollars guaranteed. I'm just saying that when you say. When one side says, the kid deserves this money, and the other, the other side says, you don't, um, and somebody somebody in the middle of this, like your coach, is testifying on the behalf of the team that says, you don't deserve to make this kind of money, there is very, very strong potential for there to be hurt feelings in this process and damage done that you just don't know where it's going to fester or where it's going to rear its ugly head, and, and I just know for a fact that baseball teams hate this process, and it doesn't exist in football very often, so we don't discuss it. In fact, I can't remember the last time there was an arbitration case. I know that in the, you know, with the Packers when they had you know Jim Michael Finley, they settled this case without getting Suggs. to arbitration. Yeah, Terrell Suggs, you know, that one's worked out okay certainly, but Suggs wanted more money, um, so it's, you know, there, there's just. It's it's not perfect, okay? It's not the way you want it to be, and with this particular player, I just wonder if that's necessarily well, a good thing.
0: Well,
1: Jason, here's here's the question. You said you've been covering the NFL for over twenty years, so the, my interesting the interesting thing uh-huh. for me is the Saints. You know, they they are one of the more lockdown teams. Of they don't let leaks out. They really tap down the media. They oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So so my question to you is. You know, Jimmy Graham, he he hasn't said anything positive or negative about this process. So he's not going to say anything publicly if he's upset. And the only way you'll maybe see it is a drop in production. So as an NFL reporter that's, that's seen it for over 20 years, what sort of signs should fans look for besides the Saints, obviously, if they're struggling, whatever, to say, you know what? Jason Cole, we disagreed with him on Twitter in August, but he might have a point now. What sort of signs would you would you will you be looking
2: for? I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at how they communicate. You're looking at how, uh, uh, you know, how do, how does it they get used? You look at this. And, and and to be fair, you have to compare this to how it was before too. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's be you know completely frank and hopefully you've taken notes on what was the discussion between the two like. Are you paying close attention to it? What's the body language like between the two? Does Graham walk by Peyton and never say a word? Does he talk to him in a normal, do they get into, you know, battles? I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a million little cues that you look for while constantly asking the question and, you know, what, and wondering if it's there. But again, at the end of the day, I think that win cures all of this. All right. So if the team wins, I think it becomes a non-factor. But if the team doesn't win, oh, here's a perfect example. My very first year in the league, and I didn't get this stuff, but my first year covering a team, 1992, uh, was the first. Happened to be the first year that there were any free agents like this of any kind. That was the Jackson Five case with G, with Keith Jackson. And, you know, Reggie White was a necker with Marcus Allen, all those guys. So Keith Jackson gets set free. Dolphins want to sign Keith Jackson. They signed him four games into the season. What immediately happened? Mark Duper and Mark Clayton were ticked off. Okay, and basically in a lot of ways those guys shut it down. They got salty with you know Don Shula. It got ugly as the season went on. And even though that team made it to the AFC championship game, it was a struggle all year long for Shula with those guys and at the end they you know they lost the AFC championship game got embarrassed at home by the buffalo bills was that because of the bad relationship or not it's impossible to quantify but i can tell you this it was a very extremely unpleasant locker room all year long those guys did not get along
0: but how it's right like the 49ers
2: right now <laughs> or what which well, which version of the 49 Nineers?
1: Well, that, Jason, that was going to be one of yeah. my one of my next questions to you. Is uh, you had a, I thought you had a great video today while we me and Andrew were researching this about Jim Harbaugh and yeah. their controversy. I feel like if 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 Jason, I said to you, look, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars and you got to go to Vegas and you got to bet on an NFL team. Because of internal uh,
2: strife, you're, 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 you're supporting my gambling addiction. This I, I
1: have bad. a gambling addiction too. I used to bet second half NFL preseason <laughs> line
2: when
1: I was in college. That's you know you have a problem. You know you have a problem, Jason, when you're betting yeah, yeah, city plus three and a half in the second half of a preseason game when you're in a dorm at LSU. But you know you have a problem.
2: But, yeah I'd agree. I would agree I would agree with that and so, I, I, I was probably along that line along so my line question
1: myself. to you is I'm, I giving you a thousand dollars I'm saying Jason you got go to Vegas and you have to bet on will Jimmy Graham's problems sink the Saints your, th- your your theory on that that he's unhappy with his contracts will that is that more likely to sink the Saints or is Jim Harbaugh almost getting traded to Cleveland and Vernon Davis having contract problems and Colin Kaepernick eventually realizing he signed a bad contract. Are they more likely to implode? You get, you pick one. Oh, I'm, pushing the money. I'm pushing the money. The,
2: the money is getting pushed West. Let's we'll just put it that way. Okay. I'm pushing all that money towards the West and we get almost to the Pacific coast. Yeah. The 49ers. Cause they got multiple issues. I mean, it's not just one player. You know, when, when you have a pl- problem with one player, you can deal with that because the one player does not create a quorum in your locker room. When you have multiple players complaining about something, that can infect, in, or in this case, maybe your coach. <laughs> like this, one, this one's really going out there. When you have that kind of problem, it can really infect your entire locker room in a hurry. It's like Herm Edwards used to talk about that. When you're drafting players, if you have guys who are bad apples, you might take one or two at a time. Guys who are really bad guys. If you start taking four or five, you know those guys start hanging out together. They become a, they become an issue.
1: It's the Jim Hat. It's the Jim Hazlitt with the Saints. You can have you you have Wayne Gandy and Dale Carter and Albert Cannell, and you put three. You're right. You stack three four bad guys together. Um, Jason. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for giving us time. I know Andrew,
2: no Andrew
1: got you uh, talked on Twitter. Jason, you're on Bleacher Report. How do people – tell people how to find you on Twitter.
2: He's, guys, he's a great follow. Uh, you can find me at, at Jason Phil Cole, uh, on Twitter and at BleacherReport.com. Bleacher uh, both those spots, and uh, I appreciate it, guys. It was fun. Thanks, uh, thanks. And Andrew, thanks, Andrew, thanks. Andrew, no, no, no hard feelings.
0: No hard feelings, no hard right. feelings my
2: friend. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Talk to you later. You? Thanks. Thanks.